Welcome to episode number 85, The Fast Lane, part two. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. All right, you are now tuned in to the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I am here with Gabe, Heck, yep. Manny, and special so. guest, Uncle Dave. Thanks for having me here, guys. Absolutely. Right. Uh, we also have Goose in the building, but he's uh, acting as a host at this point because we are inside the Riverside <laughs> Barber Shop. Uh, thank you for opening up your doors, bud. Um, the Fast Lane, part two. In this episode, we have special guests and race car expert slash enthusiast David Cuevas, father of David Cuevas Jr., who we featured on episode 62. In this episode, we discuss the race car industry, sponsorship, major racing influences, the current state of cars slash racing, modifying cars, cue building, street racing, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Jeff Gordon and Artin Senna. All right, if you're new, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. We kick things off with a definition from dictionary.com, and appropriately so, racing car. Defined as a car used for racing, a specialty designed and modified or stock car. Um, we'll have uh, Uncle Dave uh, explain a lot of that stuff. But uh, before we get started, Uncle D. Uh, brief bio. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in racing. Well, I've been doing it for a while. Ever since I was a little guy, I always had the urge of going fast or seeing things go fast. Uh, and pretty much, it's still with me 50 years later. That's what I'm doing. I like building them. I like watching them run. And I like bragging about them. <laughs> <laughs> so sure. so you're, 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 you know, obviously 50, but... Um, how long have you actually been in the race car industry? Um, I know you have a trophy case. Um, you know, one was like your first trophy. So how long when, from your first start? Or did you, st you start off in racing? Were you like in showcasing well, your cars? The, the first time I really hopped in a fast car, I guess I was about maybe six or seven years old. A gentleman by the name of Nelson Lopez used to take us, pick us up, to, take us to church. He had like a 66 GTO. Nice. And they would put me in the back seat. Hector would go, my brother Hector would go in the front seat. And this guy would, like, smother it all up with arm <laughs> roll. And, then, and I think he did it on purpose. And then every time he'd take off, you know, I'd go sideways and they'd be cracking up. But that's how we got to church, and I used to love it. And I was hooked. I was hooked. Uh, models, you know, building my car models and stuff like that. Wow. Stuff to, to keep it in, you know. It was, it was good stuff. Uh, my brother, I kind of shirt-tailed him a little bit and followed him a lot, so... He was always in the cars, so it was always cool. Yeah, so um, I know you have a, can you tell us what kind of car you have, what kind of car you raced um, in the past, and uh, kind of, where did you, how did you get trophies, basically? Okay, well, I mean, I started, Christ, uh, my first car was given to me by my brother, Hector, it was a 1977 Camaro, mm. uh, it was a four-speed car, loved it, uh, did a lot of street racing with it. Unfortunately, got in trouble a lot with it also. <laughs> and, uh, and then life took over, you know. Uh, I met Tammy, the, the woman of my dreams, and we had a kid and had to sell it. 
Wow. And uh, wound up picking up a 1973 Mazda RX-3 station wagon. Wow. Family nice. man. <laughs> he went right for it. <laughs> yeah. With a little rotary engine. You know, I figure I couldn't get in trouble with that. And, man, that was one of the worst cars I ever got. <laughs> but it was good. And, then you know, started a family. That's awesome. So, um, w- what about your your current cars in your garages? Uh, garages, yes, that is plural. Uh, at this point, what do you got going on? Well, we have uh, we have several cars. Uh, our little pride and joy of the family that you guys have shared with us at the racetrack is the 1972 Datsun with a Mitsubishi 2.6 uh, turbo engine in it, and uh, then we have a uh, a 1987. Uh, it's actually a Sterion. I always say Dodge Conquest because people know what that is. They don't right. know what a Mitsubishi Sterion is, but it's definitely uh, a Sterion. But it looks—it's identical to a Conquest, and uh, that has the uh, Toyota Super engine in it. Uh, so it's—that's an all-out tubular chassis drag car. Period. Not street whatsoever only what we do in the alleyway <laughs> <laughs> hence the name alley racing yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how that's how that was born you know <laughs> doing some some nice old shots with a little bit of water behind the tires and all and waking up the neighbors <laughs> <laughs> not now when you call it a, a dragster i mean how many horsepower is this thing pushing out well right now we're we're busting about i'm gonna say close to 800 horses and Oof. uh but we're self-tuning I believe in doing everything in the alleyway. There's big-time racers. They have the money, and they can afford a tuner to come in and put a laptop to it and, and give you 1,000, 1,200 horsepower at $1,000 a clip. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, anybody can do that. We kind of – what we're building is what we build in the alleyway and try to keep it in the family. Right. You know? Right. I, I believe in – that's the fun of it. Right. You know? I don't want to buy somebody else's stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, absolutely. What about the Chevelle? And then, well, the Chevelle, that's, that's a little pride and joy, definitely, of everybody, and <laughs> not, not myself. It was fun building it uh, almost, Christ, almost 30 years ago now. Uh, has it been 30 years yeah, already? Just about. Wow. That's crazy. I figure uh, when I bought that car, it was kind of 1987, 88, maybe, going to the 88, and uh, it's been the pride and joy of, of, of our household, you know? That's how people know me. Yeah, they do. I remember um, as a child being at our grandmom's house and Uncle Dave, you know, bringing the 68 out. Now, um, I don't know if you want to talk about the modifications or whatever in a bit, but um, there's a overpass from a, uh, a train track right where we live in Bristol. <laughs> and he would take off from Wayla's house and just peel out right under that so it had this crazy echo yeah. and i just i mean just from then on i mean so we're talking late 80s early 90s oh, so 80s, i we were yeah. only, i was a kid i was you know six Seven probably four old. or five years old yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um so it was like and i remember since then as uncle dave with uh you know crazy cars and doing nutty stuff but that 68 is still like Anytime I think of Uncle Dave, literally that's the first thing that pops in my head with, and him and his his famous, oh, it's the original paint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I tell everybody that that's like my go-to. Like, oh, my uncle got a '68 uh, original paint. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, really? It's a uh, um, yeah. So you want to talk about the '68? I mean, yeah, what, the, what you got done to it? The the '68 Chevelle. How how that was born was probably a little bit by mistake. Uh, I actually had a 1966 Nova in my backyard that I was that I had plans to soup it up and, and make it into a, a pro street. A pro street is categorized as 
a totally modified street car. Mm-hmm. Big tires, carburetors coming out of the hood, optional, blowers, nitrous, whatever, roll cages. Just it looks like a full blown race car, but it's all street. Yeah. And at that time, I was working at Jiffy Lou part time, and this kid had a 1970 Chevelle convertible. And he had these big tires in the back, and it was all slammed down in the front. And it wasn't all that, but it was different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just got that convertible bug. And I'm like, man, I got to get me one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back in the 80s, you can go to a 7-Eleven. It wasn't Wild Wilds then. It was a 7-Eleven, get a trading time. And sure enough, that's what I did. I saw that 68 in Delran, New Jersey. And I shot over there and I picked it up. Nice. That's oh, hilarious. Wow. And the, the rest is, what did I want to do with it? Right. You know, so I started building it. I didn't have a garage back then. I just had this little... Uh, little tree in the back that would give me shade in the summertime and i had a shed and i kind of put the whole car together in the shed as far as the motor the rears and stuff like that and then it got to the point where okay i'm almost there now i need to get it painted but at that point i says i can't just throw paint throw it in the back so that's when i had a garage built so it kind of all came together around i'm gonna say 91 maybe and uh had to paint it uh, Steve's auto body in Tellytown. Uh, he's retired right now, but him and his wife did the whole all the work in that uh, as far as the body and all that. And the garage got built by a neighbor of mine. And when it all came together, it was awesome. You know, yeah, car yeah. was in the garage. I'm set, and then just from there, just the rest is history. You know, just wanted something bad on the street. And like you said, we have all these overpasses, so. That was just one street I would come down and make noise. Right, right, right. <laughs> but if you bob and weave through Bristol, there's a lot of overpasses. So yeah. I used to love that with the top down. It was like, it's a sound that it stays with you forever. Uh, so yeah. so when, you, when you did the trade, how much did that 68 cost? Like, what was the out-of-pocket? Because you can go try to find a 68 now, rusted holes, and you're talking thousands of dollars. Back then is now... You know, how much was it then? So, so back in the 80s, I bought a used. It was already, it was modified by somebody else as far as the motor wasn't original or nothing like that. So I bought, uh, it was, it came out to almost 1900 bucks. Wow. So, wow. So That's it kind of all worked out. <laughs> it had the motor. I already had the motor that I was going to put into the Nova. So I already had most of the foundation. And uh, I wound up selling the motor and the transmission for $1,000. Nice. at that time because the stuff was modified and was ready to go to a friend of mine and uh he was building a, a 60 69 el camino so it was kind of perfect so it was a thousand bucks but it was yeah. it was still a little basket case you know yeah had to put new top new new floors new quarters and etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah wow Nineteen hundred dollars. That's crazy. There's something, there's something about um, old cars, and you just sit in them. They have like that smell. Yeah. yeah. That's a, as a as a you know, my dad had a '69 Chevelle. Most of the time, it's called mole. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, probably. But there is something about even the engine. Like when one passes by, the, the, the fumes like you yeah, smelling yeah. that, you could just tell. That it was rich, like, yeah, that's smell. a muscle car or whatever. That's a classic car that just passed by. Yeah, that's why we have emissions today. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we were literally as he's raising hell in Bristol, revving his engine, literally killing people <laughs> with the fumes. <laughs> I, I was controlling the mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so you know. We talk about racing. Can you talk about more of 
you know, you're in a more of a controlled environment. I know a lot of times people say racing. You did mention street racing. Uh, but when you are talking about racing, uh, we're not talking about NASCAR. We're talking about drag strip racing. You want to talk about a little bit how you got into that? Is it because you got so many tickets <laughs> street <laughs> racing or you just went? Well, basically, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, his name is uh, Bernie Brown. I met him about 30 years ago, and he was kind of a bracket racer. And as I was building the Chevelle, I kind of met him and talked to him. And he wound up being kind of like a mentor and showed me how to do certain things. And eventually, he showed me how to build cars, the whole nine yards. But we always, he always kept it at the track. Yeah. And uh, as my son Dave was growing up, you know, it was a safer environment. Yeah. You know, you just don't go to the racetrack and think you're going to hop in your car and jet down a quarter mile. You know, they have rules, regulations. Your car's got to be certified if you're running them top speeds and stuff like that. But the main reason was safety. Yeah. Do you, up the street. Do you remember your first time going down? Uh, yeah. I actually, with Bernie Brown, we did a, uh, a whole weekend at Super Chevy Maple Grove, Pennsylvania. Nice. And that became like a family thing. And... It was it. I was hooked. Uh, actually, the first time I went was uh, me, my dad, uh, Hector Sr., and uh, a good friend of mine, Bob. He was a neighbor of mine, Bob Griffin, here in Bristol Barrel. And uh, we just had a great time. You know, just the fact that, you know, my dad walking behind me. And it was like a cool situation, cool. you know. Yeah, you know, yes. we cooked out. We did everything there. And, you know, I had, I had a couple beers. Dad, don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what was it going up to like the first time heading up to the, to the starting line and the trees lit up? Were you nervous? Were you like, oh man, when do I go? What, I mean, what was the, the, the range of thoughts you had? Yeah, you know, whoever says they don't get like little butterflies and you know, they're lying to you. Yeah. Uh, everybody gets a little nervous. Uh, you can be doing it for a long time, you know, and, and depending what kind of race it is, you're going to get nervous about it, yeah. you know. But when you're bracket racing, what we're doing is more for the love. Uh, there's no, not much money involved and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it can cost me today to go to the racetrack and take one of my cars. It'll probably cost me about between five to six hundred bucks. Wow. And you know, that's tickets, the fee to get in. Uh, you know, you got to eat. We're there for a whole weekend. Like right now, we have big events, and I go like for two or three days. I went to Florida last year. You know, you can a couple thousand. Yeah. So you know, we're. I don't win that back. It's just something that we do. It's fun you know, as a hobby and it, that's what we want to do. Right. So for the love of it. And then, but you also have, um, competition around you in our area that, you know, there is that bragging rights kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's whoever's, whoever doesn't says that they don't do it for the competition. Absolutely. Lying. Yeah. You might be competing against yourself, but there's nothing better than beating your old mate or whatever. You guys been talking trash. You know what he has under his hood. He knows what you have under your hood and pound for pound. Who's the best at smack talking. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not about it's, it's the competition. It's, it's more so on your timing on how fast you get down the track, but it's really the competition is what gets you like going. Like, doesn't matter how, how like fast you get down there or whatever. It's like you, you blew your neighbor down. And that's mm, it. Right. You could talk about that forever. <laughs> right. And there's no rematch. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there, there always could be a rematch. <laughs> you, know? you know, he can he can start running the same stuff you're running. But uh, yeah, my hey, my goal is always to stay a little little above everybody, and uh, it's worked out. I'm not scared to try anything out. You know, I went from V8 Chevy V8s to four cylinders. 
from rotaries to now now we're running a six cylinder so yeah i'm not shy whatever works and 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 that's the trend i'm not scared do you have any plan or uh level of focus when you go into those weekends and you are racing is there any like kind of strategy you guys are like all right because at, at this point your son's the driver um and you're kind of mentoring him and obviously you're the uh the mechanic of of it all but is, is do you guys talk about it do you guys just kind of go out there and let it rip or you know can you talk about that a little bit yeah I, i'm gonna say i'm the motivator you know i love going to the track either if i'm racing or not uh this past summer uh was not very good for us as far as racing uh, uh the kid got a new job so it kind of didn't work out but i spent still weekends at the racetrack i just love the atmosphere and i just get fired up watching other people run or you know just seeing in fact that the car is running and all that or and even you know some of my own neighbors and uh, that they do race i support them you know without a doubt you know uh but yeah, little Dave sometimes tells me like, "All right, Dad, you need to back off a little bit." <laughs> <laughs> you know, he doesn't get nervous as much, but he does. You know, yeah. he just don't. He tries to keep everybody. He kind of keeps me level-headed. So, you know, yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely when there's competition. If you ain't got it in your stomach, then yeah. you shouldn't be doing it. He said um, when he, we had little Dave on, he said that you. Uh, he doesn't even have to do much because we talked about the smack talking. He's like, nah, that's my dad. My dad does all the smack talking yeah. for me. He's like, I kind of just stay to myself, really. He's like, they're all acting crazy and yelling at each other. He's like, I just focus. I just got to get down there, make sure it's under a green light, and I'm good. Yeah, I've gotten better. Uh, <laughs> as far as I, I used to ride around like a little three-wheeler, and it would just be me, and I'd see competition, and I would say stuff. But uh, now I moved up to a nice little golf cart, man. <laughs> little entourage so when I, when I talk and everybody laughs and people kind of get a little bent out of shape but hey that's okay you know at the light there's no friends you know yeah you know right, once you yeah. cross that light and then you shake it off and you shake hands and uh, the best best racer wins all the time yeah or the best car yeah that's true you know so so uh, to, to go back to to you and and little Dave racing what would make you more nervous you in the car or watching your son in the car definitely me in the car Really? Yeah, yeah. It just, uh, I love doing it. When I was doing it, it was cool, but I kind of was doing all the wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> and what were they? Uh, just, you know, just partying. Just, you know, <laughs> you know, the day before the race, hanging out, yeah. you know. Yeah, you lose focus and stuff like that. And, and we're talking, you know, point zero 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 yeah. seconds. That can cost you a race. Uh, yeah. That's how it is when you're bracket racing. So, yeah, I would say me and, uh, you know, reflexes have definitely changed. <laughs> Whoever says they don't. I don't know how John Force does it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> John Force, like almost 76 years old. He's, he's one of the, the top, you know, racers in the world. So, but, uh, yeah, no, me, I like the party. I like it. Like I said, I get to that racetrack. I'm in a different world. I, I kind of. Focus on having the car ready weeks, months prior to a race, and when I get there, that's all we want to do. I don't, I don't, you don't see me tinkering around, you don't hear me revving it up. Uh, the kid might do a fine tuning if he feels he needs something. I leave all that up to him. When we go racing, my job is to give him a car 100%. Yeah, and we've been kind of successful. Good, yeah. so uh, I, I feel like any, any part of racing, whether it's NASCAR or uh. Like 
like you say, uh, the quarter mile uh, drag racing or whatever. I feel like everyone does like the same pre gaming thing, like hanging out, having like a couple of drinks. When you say party, it's like almost like tailgating and stuff like that exactly. before. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like everyone just that's just a thing in 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 like I don't know. I guess it's like a down south. It's more bigger down there. Like I've been to a couple of NASCAR uh, events and uh, I kind of pre game with them before and go into the race track and like. Lost focus. They didn't even know why I was there because I was so. I part like. <laughs> Thank God you weren't racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't see Jimmy Johnson pounding. <laughs> it's all beers. Everyone's just drinking, having a good time. That's yeah, what. Yeah, that's yeah. what he is when he says partying and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we did mention the track. The track's a big deal to you. Um, and knowing that, you know, we all every once in a while pop up just to show our support, um, because. It's exciting for us. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we get, I love it. And now, as of recently, um, Uncle Dave invited um, me to take my son down there, and, and we did that whole thing. We had a blast. What is it, you know, like to have, you know, your family support, even if you do recall when you're racing or even when you're, you know, getting pun ready for, for a race and you just see, like, the support and stuff. What's that like? Well, it's just nothing, that, a better feeling than knowing that people support you. Yeah, yeah. Period. Yeah. yeah. Barbershop, your kids, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. a new job. It's just awesome feeling. Yeah. And uh it, it that even takes me to a different world, you know. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't know how many I don't know how many shirts I bought your kid that day. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yo. Every concession stand, yeah, Yo, you got a, like extra extra small. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Funny. James funny. left out there with some merchandise, boy. That's awesome. Some little model cars, t-shirts. Oh, that's man. great. Uncle Dave, Uncle Dave definitely spoiled. It's him. definitely like an experience that he'll never forget, though. And that's no, I remember me going down the track the first time, and it was like it was a whole experience. And that's what, like, obviously our whole family were into like cars and stuff like that. Like, but it's it's like it's that next level, and it's a generation thing now. Like. Jim's like the next he has his son and man he has they're like their next generation kids like bring them to see Uncle Dave it's like Uncle Dave's like the legend of the track for us and our <laughs> yeah. family so it's well, like now- alright so switching <laughs> switching gears up a little bit uh, we did talk about uh, you know obviously the race car but can you talk a little bit about modifying cars um, what's necessarily legal what's illegal and when you do modify a car how that changes how you can operate at a track well yeah no I mean the faster you go, you get put in different brackets. So it all depends what you, your your wallet allows you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can build a, a fine bracket car and run 13 seconds, and guess what? There's hundreds, and there's different. There's all different kind of bracket races for those people going that fast. Mm-hmm. So that's basically a showroom car, the way I look at it. Uh, you got stock cars today that run, you know, 13 seconds, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but uh, yeah, it all depends. You know, you're limited. And uh, what you can do, there's uh, most of the, the cheapest horsepower today has to be nitrous. You know, they call it laughing gas. You put it in a bottle, you put an injector, you put it down your motor, and what that does just makes more oxygen going into a chamber, and you, you increase your horsepower by hundreds. You That's know, you can do a 100 shot, you can do a 200 shot, 300 shot. Some people put four systems, so they four times four. Sheesh. You know, so whatever your 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 wallet allows that's what kind you can go but modifications you you name it endless uh, some of the biggest things today is turbos mm-hmm. yeah. you know that's where the money's at now you know uh you can build a nice motor a turbo motor if you do it in dave's alleyway you're talking maybe six seven thousand dollars for a complete motor wow that's nothing compared to 
big boy racing, Kaneka racing, Kijemo racing. These guys build their motors, and you're talking 22, 25, 30 grand. Wow. You know, you can so spend up, yeah. you can spend $18,000 in a transmission. Holy you crap. Know, where mine's only $5,000, right. you know. That's, that's the difference. So, you know, there's all kind of modifications out there. Uh, obviously, you couldn't ride that $18,000 transmission in the street. You'll burn it up. Yeah. It's not meant for that. Yeah. You guys got to remember, a quarter mile is a quarter mile. Yeah. yeah. You know, after that, shot. you yeah. shut it down. She's not going to overheat the whole nine yards. So it's two different animals. Now, if you build a street car like the Chevelle, okay, so maybe I'm not running the times they're running. But when I go visit them, they're like, wow, that thing is mean. And yeah, you're yeah. on the street. Yeah. And it yeah, looks yeah. like it could kick their you know what. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's so cool, you know? Yeah. So that's the difference, you know? It just, there's all modifications, turbos, nitrous, old school Holly carburetors. It's whatever you can afford, actually. Yeah. I, I have a question. You started it with a V8, right? You worked yourself into rotary engines. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking. And then you worked yourself into uh, adding a turbo, and then it just kept building and kept building. Why did it keep going that way? I mean, to the point where you had um, a Datsun that was kind of a perennial powerhouse when it went to the track. I mean, when you went, you you expected to win, and people were like, man, you know, Dave's here, you know, essentially. And then you kind of, you were like, I guess you got uh, bored with it and then jumped to something different. What, what keeps you moving and progressing and, and evolving? Yeah. Well, that might be the, maybe not the key word, boredom, but... After you do something for a while and you kind of conquer it, you're like, okay, what's next? Right. Yeah. You know, and then you, you, you go and like, for me, myself, I hang out with these guys that do race. It's like, you know, you start getting into them little battles where my mine is better than yours, you know, the whole nine yards. And now I'm, I'm saying, okay, but that's okay. I'll be back out next year. I'm going <laughs> to do something different. Yeah, yeah. And I've been lucky. Uh, I have a great job. I work like everybody else, you know, seven to three or whatever hours you got, you know, six, seven days a week. Uh, I'm fortunate that I can do it. Right. You know, everybody at home, I'm, I think they're okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know and, and if they do complain, I only listen to one boss at the house. But <laughs> other than that, you know, I think uh, that's the whole thing is financially, I can do that. Nice. And I do it because I want to do it. And I don't yeah. do it because nobody's telling me this or that. I just, I just like that little edge. Stay on top of the game and, and don't be scared to do it, man. You know, life is short. Yeah, because we all know. Just think about this. I think I said this when, um, when Pun was on. I was like, just think about when, when there's something goes wrong in your, our everyday cars, right? Our daily drivers. Mm. When that little light goes off and how much that costs. Now, you can multiply that by basically 10 on a race car just because everything's so uh, specific and some of the stuff's custom. Well, right now, perfect example, the Chevelle's down. Yeah. You know, I gave it to the kid, and he's been driving it like... Like his daily. Well, you can hear him. Yeah, he, he didn't put it together. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and he's starting to learn that now. And actually, right now, we have the engine at uh, Mike's uh, Pendel Motor Shop. Uh, rebuilding the whole bottom end because there wasn't a bearing in that car when we took it apart several weeks ago. Wow. wow. <laughs> so, I mean, this kid, he, 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 he puts a hurting on things. And, uh, and, and now he, he's seeing the repercussion, you know, there's, there's financial to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, first started out with the heads. Hey, at least I, I have a connection where 
I don't call them my sponsors because I don't have sponsors. But when you take enough business and then people see what you're doing and you you refer them to them, they give me good deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but there's I've talked to people for sponsorship and it's just conversational, and and it's like really what are you bringing for me you know yeah, right. yeah. so now if you're bringing like buku bucks and stuff like that then yeah you know they might give you a set of gaskets or something right 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 <laughs> but you know <laughs> these parts are expensive to begin with there's not they can't re- like just give you stuff away yeah so the sponsors you know we leave that to the nascar guys and the nhra guys that have people that only do that right, right you know right. go find money right you know, stuff like that but little david seeing now that uh you know, it's it's going to cost him $1,200 just to do a bottom end. That's cheap. Wow. Considering, you know, we have connections and we know where we can go get parts. Yeah. Wow. So is there, so you said, you said, you know, there's only certain things that you do and there's certain things that you stay away from when you're, you know, working on the car. For example, doing the bottom end of, the en- of an engine. Is that, do you stay away from that kind of no, stuff? There's no, no, no. It's just certain stuff that it's out of my league. Yeah. So right now he tore the block so bad it has to be machined. Oh, gotcha. So I don't have a, a full-blown machine shop. I have a couple things that I can do. I can put motors together, the whole nine yards, to save a couple dollars. But when it comes to machining, line boring a, 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 a motor to the crank, sending the crank to get bounced, you know, these are stuff that are out of your control, but it's like $300 to go balance a crank. And all they're doing is putting on a machine, drilling a little hole, counting the weight, and then they give it back to you. Right, right, oh, right. Man. Yeah. It's not a matter of the know-how. It's just a matter of not having the right machine. And, in your and, and I say $300, but $300 to the kind of racing that we're doing, and $300 to, like, a John Force. I keep using them as an example because he's, you know, he has a machine shop that builds him right. cranks. Right, right, yeah. right, right. right. Yeah. You know, so it's it's two different leagues. Yeah. Um, I know me and you were going back and forth in text messaging, and, and one of the things you, you hit on that you wanted to talk about was queue building. Um, I actually have no idea what in the world that Me is. Either. Can you explain that? Well, I'm just saying building your own cars. You gotcha. know, basically modifying, building something. Uh, like right now, perfect example, I'm building a, a 1965 Nova station wagon. Mm. You, know, wow. you guys that? probably don't even know what that is. <laughs> you know, it's just an oddball. But my brother Hector has a 63 Nova Sedan, and then my, our, our friend Tony Ford here, another local in Bristol, he has one. And I says, you know what? Let's make a little Nova Club or something. I'm going to build myself a Nova nice. too, since everybody else yeah. has one. Yeah. So I'm building a, a wagon. Nova wagon, but I'm just going to I'm just going to go a little over the top with it. Yeah. You know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what they got into it. So yeah. You know, like oh, past yeah. their surpass uh, their level a little bit. <laughs> a- absolutely. Bring it on. I mean, uh, my brother's Nova's got this mean ass 427. Uh, big block Chevy, and, and that thing's probably going to produce over 550 horsepower. Nice. That's awesome. And, and then we're talking street cars, you know, with no no additives or none. And then Tony's building a small block with a blower on it, and he's probably going to be producing around the 500 horsepower for the street. Yeah. So I got to build a little Nova six cylinder turbo motor. And hopefully do six hundred. <laughs> this guy, yeah, one talk, upper. Talk about Tony. I know he had that that convertible Nova. That was like my. We talk about convertibles. Do I have a convertible right now? And dude, it just looks so amazing. And he he sold it, right? Yeah, he yeah. he kind of gave it away. A uh, local guy here bought it. Uh, it was a '64 uh, Chevy two Nova convertible. He re- oh, put man. new quarters, new fenders. Is that the new orange floors. one? Yeah. No, this yeah. was turquoise. The turquoise yeah, one. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, he bought a white top. Had all the turquoise in there. So Everything nice. was redone and uh, change of plans. He wanted to go with the blower and needed to sell that car to 
to get the money to, wow. to put that wow. together. So he's building a blower motor. And a guy like that, you know, he's going to spend ten grand because wow. you know, yeah. just a standard blower, you didn't even put it on your car yet. It's four thousand dollars, and you didn't even put the accessories on it yet. Sheesh. Wow. So he's he's learning that. He maybe should have stayed with that. <laughs> wow. Because yeah. he's still going to get hurt when he gets to That's great. So when you're, when you're building these cars, how much um, do you stay original? Like, I, I know our grandfather has uh, a Ford Falcon, and he kept it pretty original. I'm a guy who likes the original look, the original feel. And then, you know, you and my dad kind of change him up. I mean, you, you're talking about cutting out the whole floor and putting one in yourself and changing the chassis up altogether. Yeah, well, uh, Dad has a 62 Ford Falcon, which me and, and uh, Hector, your dad, uh, we put we actually put that car together for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just picked colors, and, and we got him involved with the interior and all that. But he's been a Ford Falcon guy, and that was the look he was after, you know. A uh, little straight six-cylinder, and he loves it, you know. That's his, like, little... His little toy right now, right? Yes. That's his hobby. He's always been a car guy. I kind of got a lot of that from him. You know, we always had something tinkering in the garage, and he was always, always kind of playing around with the cars. So, but uh, I just take it to a different level. You know, I like fat tires, I like chrome, yeah. uh, you know, I like stuff sticking out of the hood. I like stuff that when you go by, everybody has to stare at it. Mm. Yeah. You know, why be the same? Right. No, I hear you. I, I hear don't. You. So that's. That's the kind of modifications I like, and, and that's what I do, you know. Like I, I said his name earlier, uh, Bernie Brown, he, he taught me how to, you know, chop cars up, put roll cages, weld through the whole nine yards, and haven't stopped, haven't stopped. Hmm. That, that, that's kind of incredible. If you see these cars, um, you know, the, the, the convertible is not just like your regular, you know, fit two in the back. I mean, there's there's literally a roll cage, so there's bars going through the back yeah. of yeah. the car into the trunk, and you go back there and you're like, this is like a spaceship. You get kind of nervous, and then when you strap in, you're strapping in like like you're about to take off. It's not a regular seatbelt, you know. That when they click in, you're like, you make it as tight as possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Little story about that Chevelle in the interior. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to hang around the neighborhood guys that were always building cars and stuff like that. And one of them, his name was Junior Size. And he had a little RX-3 and RX-4. He had several cars, and I would always, at the age of seven or eight, I'd be hanging out with him and helping him, putting transmissions, and and always giving him a hand. And he would treat me by taking me for a ride. You know, he would ask my mom, hey, I'm going to go down the road. Can I take him? She's like, yeah, just be careful, blah, blah, blah. And uh, one day he was like, we were just sitting there talking. He goes, you know, I owe you one. So he he does uh, interior work and stuff like that. And he goes, uh, whenever you get a car, I'm going to hook you up. And I'm like, okay. And then like 10 years went by and <laughs> you never <laughs> forgot. I knocked on his door and says, I'm here. And uh, this is what I want. And uh, he did the whole interior in that car. He did the, uh, all the, I have a roll cage in the car, like you said. And he did all the padding for it, the white That's padding, right. which That's everybody right. always looks at that car and like, wow, that looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then he matched the padding. The padding's white. And he did all the piping on the seats. And then normally when you do a pro street car, you can't put the back seat in because it's all tire back there. So it's all filled with wheel wells. He custom made a seat. And, I mean, you can't put three people back there, but you can put one in the center. So I could always take take another guest. When you put the top down, they can jump in. 
So it was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, he's like, well, this really cost me. You really helped me bring the transmission <laughs> up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hey, you did man. the math on that yeah. one. <laughs> it kind of worked out. Not well, mind thought. you, too, like, you're, you do have race cars, but they're not, like, dirty, greasy. Like, dude, these are, like, show cars at the same time, too. Like, yeah. you have your car ready for the track, but this thing is, like, you can eat off the engine bay. Like, right. it's, yeah. it's, like, immaculate. Like, well, that's, that's not, like, a, the common, like, race car. That contributes to the, you know, the quality of work we do, you yeah. know. I just don't want to slap something together, and you, you put it together, and it has to, you know, look right also, you know. Not so much function right, but just... It's got it all look good, and if it all looks good, my theory is that nine out of ten times it's probably going to be yeah. everything's going to be fine. You yeah, know, right. run right, whatever. If you, you know, it's just that's that's how I am. And and you guys have seen some of my competition. You go to the track and you see some of the the show they do at the track yeah, and yeah. revving up and doing all this. And I'm like, man, if you can't bring your car ready at the track, don't bring it. Yeah, yeah, and that he is, is true. not lying. I mean, you go to the track. There's literally people putting. They didn't even get. They didn't even hit the track yet. They didn't even race it. They didn't yeah. even do a pass yet. And these dudes are under the hood, literally working, tinkering around. Lord knows what they're doing. Some of these guys, I don't even think they know what they're doing. Well, you could speak to that. There's definitely people who don't know. <laughs> that would be like me going out there and trying to race Uncle Dave. I mean, it made no sense. Um, but we saw people get hurt. Yeah, hurt their driver. I mean, just messing around or yeah, showing off. I don't and, know if you guys yeah, were there on yeah, that one explosion. The, yeah, the rotary we went to. He was yeah. he's putting the car to no limit. And what what sucked? He put a lot of people in the area to harm's way. Like my At parents risk. were there. Yeah, and like my mom's. I want to go to the track, but since we're all about it, like it's a family thing. She came down. And yeah, it was the that, first first yes, year your and dad and your mom went yes, they were that, supposed honestly, to go to Columbus. Yeah, yeah. and they ended that, up going that, to the track. Yeah, yeah. ended up going to Echo, New Jersey. They, this guy Columbus. was revving hit the rotary. Rotary doesn't really have the RPMs, doesn't read. Like, there's no limit to them. Right. And this guy just blew the motor, and metal chunks were going through, like, shooting in the air. Shards were flying Like, yeah. ripping through tents, and, like, actually, the one guy, what do you got, like, staples in his well, arm? Well, the, like, the guy that was revving the car, they wound up taking him in the ambulance. They shut the track down because there wasn't a spare ambulance. Because they always have to have one uh, sp- uh, one at the end of the track. They had to use him to go take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, the rotary engines, they, they're kind of real balanced motor. And there's certain things that you have to do. And, you know, some of these guys that think they, they can hang, you know, with the big boys and all that, they, they build stuff and they don't know the tricks of the trade. And all it was was as simple as welding the tabs on the, uh, on the flywheel. There's a ring for the starter engages. Well, they're just pressed on from factory. Yeah. But when you're building a car and now you're revving it 9,000, 10,000, 11,000 RPM that these mm. rotors go to, mm-hmm. that ring came off. And when it came off, it shredded the transmission right in hand from the car. Oh. But all those parts flew. Spinning, yeah. I mean, that was unbelievable. Like 50 to 70 feet away from was, where everybody yeah, was at. That's crazy. Unbelievable. And cut a hole in the hood, and the hood was up. <laughs> Yeah. So that's how massive it was. Yeah. Can you talk about the time that you, I think you were in the car when uh, La Sapita blew up? Oh, actually, that was my my partner, Junior Size. We wound up, uh, I wound up being partners with him. We built a a little Toyota Starlet with him, Mm -hmm. and we chopped it all up, and we did the same thing, you know, put a rotary engine in it with a big carburetor, a lot of nitrous, and he (laughs) was going down the track, and the clutch was out of vibration. And the clutch actually shook to death until it just blew apart. apart. And it literally blew the top part of his shoes off. Yeah. And that's how close it was for him not chopping his whole foot apart. Mm -hmm. Wow. We had people, when 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 uh, the track officials (laughs) brought us back around to the pits, 
people started bringing parts <laughs> and putting oh it in front of God, the car. Yeah. So I went and got a little box. <laughs> and by the, wow. by the end of the race, almost, we could put that whole clutch together. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, it was amazing. I remember that because I was watching him go. And, then, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was kind of the last time for this motor. You guys had already talked, like, this is kind of the last time he's going to make a pass. It yeah. almost like she knew she was going to go, so she was going to blow on you guys. Yeah, it, it, we had plans already to put a turbo motor in it, and that was already in the works. And actually, we, we actually had it all already. And it, it <laughs> sentimental, I guess, she got, you know. I always, Sapita is like, a, it's a female frog, frog in Spanish, as how you would translate it. So I always address her as she, you know, got a little temperamental with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever happened, you know, specifically during that moment, but just speaking in general, what's one of the worst things uh, a race car driver uh, can do in making a pass or actually competing? Uh, well, most of the time it's probably not the driver. Mm. It's some type of car failure. Uh, seen a lot of accidents we've blown several motors because you know like live and learn you know yeah. uh can't do that no more <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know uh and we've had a couple accidents but you know depending the driver his skill and all which we've had and we've blown motors and we've been all over that track except next to the wall and then uh last year uh my cousin he was racing and his back tire blew out the rubber wrapped around shot him to the wall and he flipped over like 10 times he's lucky to be alive wow you know so there's just basically hang on and what you're doing is counting on all your safety equipment to work yeah yeah and that's what they certify so you just it's like i said you just don't go to the racetrack and if you run a certain time you have to be qualified certified and then approved so um you know going through that approval process what at what point do you have to have a parachute Every, anything over 150 miles an hour. Gotcha. Don't matter. And wheelie bars? Uh, wheelie bars is an option. That's, oh, okay. a, that's totally a, a, a head mechanics call. Preference. You gotcha. know, so if you know the car is going to go up, you better put wheelie bars on or else yeah. you're going to have no bumper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the problem when you do wheelies is that when you come down, it's very hard on the front end. And some cars, most of the cars are like low profile. You're usually taking an oil pan out. When you take an oil pan out, it pushes up. You lose your oil pump and you wipe your motor out. Jeez. So yeah, there's all kind of different stuff, but you know the safety stuff as far as you know, like Willie bars is is kind of a safety thing, but it's not obligated. So have you ever red lighted? Oh, God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we we asked your son. Uh, we asked obviously little Dave's our cousin, um, but for the listeners. Um, we asked, I don't know if you guys remember, if you don't go back to episode 62, um, and we asked him that, that you know, how, how does that feel? Because, uh, and I'm going to ask you this, there's so much prep, there's so much time, investment, money, everything, your family's out there watching, man, you can't, you can't I'm getting the chills just talking about it, because there's so much excitement, yeah. Tam yelling, um, <laughs> yeah. just so much going on, and you red light. Yeah. What is that feeling oh. like? Like, yeah, that's why I don't do it, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I drink. So when I watch him do it, it, really, it doesn't really phase me. But I'll be honest with you, I, I can't remember the last time Dave red lighted. In all honesty, I really can't. Uh, me and him, when I was doing the Sippy Chevys, I did it for ten years straight. I think eighty percent of the time, I lost by red lighting. Wow! 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 
just yeah. anxious. Just excited. Just because the competition is, you know, these guys are doing it for a living, and then you want to try to compete, and you got your peoples there, and you, you know, yeah. you 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 think you you got it, and yeah. the little light says no. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you can you talk to the people like there's red lighting, right? And in bracket racing, uh, you essentially you can race anybody, right? But it's it's matched up on times. Yeah, so bracket racing is like handicap bowling. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, basically you have a 10 second car. I have a 11 second car. I'm going to take off a second before you, but at the end of the finish line, we should be crossing together. Mm-hmm. And how that happens is is the reaction that you take off on the light. Mm-hmm. So the better you react, which .000 being a perfect light, that's if you do the math, say you you know you can you can cut a great light. You can cut a .010 light, and I can cut a .005 light. And we both run our times that we rode on the window, and I beat you by five thousandths of a second. All right. Wow. That's how. That's how it is. So when when people are relating, they're only relating because they just want to get the edge. All right. So can you explain to uh, the people who don't know writing the numbers, uh, your times on the windows, what what that signifies, and and why um, it's placed there? Well, number one, the track obligates you to do that so they know what category you're in. Uh, you are writing a time that you know your car can do, can't do, or, you know, you want to psych somebody out, whatever. I never got that theory, but a lot of people do it, and uh, essentially what your car can do. Gotcha. So if your car runs 10 flat, you can write 10 flat and cut good lights, and you're never letting off that pedal. You're running all the way straight through the line. But your car can run 950s and sign up for a 10-second class, but you can't run no faster than 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you save a little bit. But the problem with that is you save it, and if the other guy doesn't, you can always break out. Breaking out means you run faster than what you wrote. So what you write is what you, what you have to run. So how much thought do you, like, is that the most, I mean, that's got to be the hardest decision of the weekend. It's like, man, how do you feel? How do you, you know, you're asking Dave, I'm sure, how she feel? What do you think we should run? Well, no, that all comes, you, we know what we're going to run. Well, we know what, what, what area we're going to be running. But uh, like say, it could, the weather can determine how you're going to run. Turbo cars love cold weather. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't go to the track and say, okay, I'm going to run that eight seconds flat. Uh, it's hot out and it's hard to tune a car because you can't get enough air into the car. So your car runs an 810. How do you know that? Well, before you go to an event, they give you three time shots. And then you kind of tune your car to the weather at that time, which doesn't really necessarily mean much, considering it could be raining or about to rain Saturday and then be beautiful Sunday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, but you have an idea. Uh, first round, that's normally when I drink a lot of beer because uh, <laughs> I get nervous, you know, and then, you know, I'm kind of pacing around and that's what you once you know what that first round you know what your car is going to run then you kind of can categorize where you're going to be at and that's the time you write on the window okay yeah because i've seen um you know guys just hauling hauling down the the track and then you see them right at the end pumping brakes yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah, because like you said if you pass that number that you wrote like if you go faster than the number you wrote on your window you're disqualified correct right so you have to stay within that or right so i mean i mean bracket racing a lot of people you know most of the people that don't like it are people that just probably don't have a car. <laughs> uh, the reason I said it is because you can only build what you can afford. And right. what's cool is 
the tracks they'll they'll categorize so the, you know okay 10 seconds you guys are going to run 10 seconds to 13 seconds and then you're going to run the other class might be uh eight seconds to 10 seconds so they try to keep you close to your cars yeah. because there ain't nothing worse and uh and, and and losing a race and your car runs 720s all day long at 187 190 miles an hour and the little 10 second car beats you because yeah. of the you know the handicap so they they kind of you know the tracks they do a good job today in keeping everybody honest and, and trying to keep them close but basically not everybody can have a 715 right. car you know 720 seven seconds six seconds you got the big boys now there was an event a couple of weeks ago in uh, orlando florida you had the fastest side-by-side sport compact race they both ran 580s wow. 83 87 oh that's the fastest ever for a sport compact car oh, so it just tells you you know now, how many the cylinders? Technology. Is that? Uh, they're they're both were running uh, six cylinders. Six cylinders. So wait, what, what was wow. going on time? What was the fastest car you've ever built? The fastest time you've you've done? Which would be the conquest now. Our, our time was uh, eight eight oh three. Okay. Nice. At one hundred and sixty nine and a half miles an hour. So so put it into perspective for people. Wow. What do dragsters run? So a John Forrest or those dragsters that you see with the big blowers. What do they run? Well, I mean, up to several years ago. Uh, they kind of shorten the track to a thousand feet now, thirteen twenty being uh, a full blown quarter mile because they're going so fast now they can't stop. Oh wow! And so they're wow. racing in tracks that have been built for twenty thirty years, while the tracks don't get any longer. The cars wow. are getting faster, and uh, English Town is witness to that. Where the uh, one of the Coletta boys passed away uh, because he couldn't stop at the wall and. That was a couple years ago, right? Uh, it's, it's, I'm going to say already about five, six years yeah, already. I remember that. I remember and ever since that. then, they, they kind of toned it down. But they're, you're talking like four, four, four point eight seconds, thousand, you know, in a quarter mile. In a quarter mile. I've so, seen. I remember seeing like those jet cars. They're like insane. Well, well, even jet cars. And they're only like five something. Yeah, right? they, and they have nothing on the. That's what I'm saying. To see a four roller. second, yo, yeah. that's insane. Uh, yeah, you can't see them go by. The vibration literally yeah. just, just your eyes can't focus. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh and they're loud. Like yeah, when you, you see a side by side, ten thousand plus horsepower, and now you got two cars, twenty thousand. It's sound. Oh it's amazing. my gosh! It's all amazing. What you hear is just, <laughs> just like whistling and screaming. That's it. Like with the motors, like yeah, that's it. yeah. They come and go, and you don't even yeah. see them if you're, you know, wow. So yesing you with your neighbor. <laughs> so you yeah. mentioned, um, you know, technology. Obviously, we all live, we're all alive, and we all witness. It doesn't matter what industry and technology changed everything, right? So, and it will continue to change how we operate and do, including racing. So, is there anything that's different? from drag car racing from when you first started to versus now oh yeah i mean even even in the the nhra today uh you had your your class was a super stock well now they're going fuel injection because there's not a car built today with a carburetor right right not that i know of anyway uh so now they put in several years ago fuel injection so now they have to run fuel injection and they had to learn that wow you know so the laptop it's just everything's about the laptop anymore at the racetrack. You don't even today. You watch these little you know, these shows on TV and these reality shows, and you know they're all carrying laptops. You know? yeah. So basically, a race car driver today, other than if he tunes it himself, 
he's just in for the ride. Yeah. You know, that car's already being told what to do. Yeah. Kind of like ours. Like right now, the, the only thing is that Dave is the one telling it what he wants to do. Right. But you go to the racetrack today, you got these guys that they fly him in. And I'll use, I'll, I'll say Puerto Rico, for example, is the smallest island with the fastest rotaries in the world. Wow. You know, competing with pack racing from Australia, which they thought they had them. And here's this little island that has some of the baddest cars in the world. Right now, we have a, a six-cylinder in Puerto Rico. It's called gasoline, gasolina. He broke, he was the fastest car in the world, six-cylinder, to Jay-Z. There's this guy, Ganu Racing, from Dubai. That owns the yeah. biggest Toyota dealership in the world. And he's competing with him. Wow. Sheesh. It just goes to show you, you know, these guys, and they got the money. They, and, but the problem is, you know, he's contracting the best. And the best is this little team from Texas that are building this guy's car from Dubai because he went to school in Texas, made some friends, and now he's got the money. He got them all together, and they got – Probably the, one of the, the he, he does have the fastest super in the world now. And I think that's running, I think it's 5.73, I'm going to say 3. And Gasolina is running 5.737. Oh, wow. That's the difference. Three, three hundred thousandths of a second is why he's got the record. Wow. Not even a oh. blink, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's I mean, barely a yeah. nose, right? I just say Dubai, Puerto Rico. Who's, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, let's let's weigh here yeah. the difference. Yeah. You right. know, yeah. you know, Puerto Rico's struggling right now, and uh, Dubai just keeps building houses on the ocean, <laughs> <laughs> making so, land. They keep making land. Okay, well, yeah, making islands, like that. <laughs> yeah. H- hotels, exactly. hotels. <laughs> so, um, you you mentioned uh, the t- television shows. Um, do do you watch them? I know Punt when he was on, he started laughing. He's like, "No, nah, man, that's my dad. That's my dad. He loves them things. He actually, records them." Actually, I was watching before I came on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I left Yvonne and Brian finishing the episode, and I had to get going. So, so what's your what's your take on them? And, and are they really portraying what we call the real deal? Yes, uh, they they strap in, they go down asphalt streets, and they do what they're saying they're doing. Uh, like I just said, uh, I, I actually watched an episode before coming here, and the one episode I saw, they were racing this team from Memphis, and the guy hit a car on the side of the road. Oh, you know, and they put the car there because of there was a tree next to it, and it was like a buffer. Oh wow! Not thinking they were going to use it, and thank God it was there, or else he would have wrapped himself around the tree. Wow. Even with all the safety he had on, helmet. Uh, they, they they have a Heinz now that keeps your neck without mm-hmm. you know so you don't ruin your your neck your spinal cord the whole nine years. When they took the helmet off, the dude was gushing blood all over. Oh, so wow. yeah, it's 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 kind of real. Yeah, I mean the, the the breaking balls, the fighting, and then all that. You know, you need a little TV to go with it. I <laughs> yeah, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but That's but the, the, the cars are real. Uh, you can go to local tracks and see these guys race. Yeah, and the numbers at the end of the track say what they do. Now, some of these shows, one in particular, obviously, it's the title of the show. The question I want to ask you is, would you do this? So the title of the show is called Pinks. And for anyone that doesn't understand what that means, um, obviously, when you own the car, you get the, the pink slip. You're the owner of this. You know, you don't owe anybody any money. And these guys are literally racing 
for ownership of their competitor. And the thought of that just turned my stomach, just saying it. I don't understand how these guys do this, but <laughs> some of these guys, I saw a race where it was two sons racing against each other. The, the oldest son had, a, had an out with the dad, and the youngest son was him, him and the dad were still partners. You know, he was racing his dad's like Camaro or something versus like I the, saw oh, that a, episode. Yeah, it was a, it was like it's it still rated as the yeah. number one what, most watched uh, Pink's episode or whatever it was um, to date. It has like you know a hundred million views or something crazy. Well, the guy lost his dad's pride and joy. There was like a card he had since he was like a teenager or something like that. And boom, it's no longer his. I mean, what is your take on that? Would you ever do that? Have you ever done that? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if my car's only worth $1,000. <laughs> no way. I mean, I don't have the cojones to do something like that. You work yeah. hard for what you got. These guys, I don't know. Some of them shoes could be a little, Rinked. you know. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. It could be set up already, but... uh yeah, I mean that was one of the first reality TV shows, and yeah, you know, sounds weird, but I I kind of get into stuff like that, just watching these people just race their little things they have and yeah. and losing it at a blink of an eye. Because it's real, it can happen. So it's it's no, they, I mean, yeah. and supposedly they were legit shows, and yeah. it, it, the pinks were happening, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were talking. I was like I was saying, I was watching a little bit today, and and Big Chief. Uh, and Daddy Dave, there are two known actors, well, not actors, but guys that have parts in the show. They came out on Pinks, and they had a little Honda back in the day. And what's funny is they can't stand imports on the show today. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. You know, That's they had hilarious. imports. We they, they did an episode where they raised some of the guys from Florida, uh, all imports. And they kind of, you know, mop the floors up with us because they know the street. These are track cars, street cars, two different animals. Yeah. But, you know, it's just funny the way they were talking back then. Oh, Honda this, Honda that. And now on the show, they're like, oh, we can't stand imports. You know, <laughs> if you don't have 632 cubic inches of motor, you don't have nothing. Well, guess what? I don't have money to buy 632 cubic inches of motor because you're looking. I went to a shop when I got my, uh, my motor done on my race car. Uh, Davis Racing out of uh, Pottstown. He's very known. This guy's like big bucks, and he's building these little six cylinders because he sees the potential in them. But we're sitting there, and there's this motor. I don't even. To me, it was like a magic Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're in the season, you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. let me tell you something. This motor was the biggest motor I ever saw. It was like six hundred and something humongous cubic inch. Had five stages of nitrous, and it was just like one big ball of aluminum Holy and it was worth one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Wow. wow just the it, motor and he, what, what kind he of car just sold it in? it could go in any any car that can fit it fit it because it's yeah, okay. huge yeah. and it a custom would be a custom chassis custom, or yeah. something like that but he was just freshing it up because the guy had just sold it oh, wow. after driving it for about four or five years so Holy wow that's you know crazy. that's you know that's the difference these guys got cubic inch there's a you know some people might say, uh, just because you're bigger than I mean, you're better. Yeah. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so at the end of the day, who's a better race car driver, you or your son? Absolutely me. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, D? Yeah. yeah. You hear that? Yeah. Calling you out. <laughs> so there you have I, it. I, it. My, first, uh, my first W was uh, 1997. Yep. I was running La Sapita in yep. uh I went 14 rounds, 14 rounds. <laughs> to wow. win, yes. right? And then I won 
And then I had they had King of the Hill back in the yes, day. I sir. had the two, the three winners. There was three different brackets. Had to race each other to get King of the Hill, and I won that. Nice. And the track stiffed me for a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Yeah. They wound up firing the guy, so I didn't get my money. <laughs> so, so my la- that that's a perfect transition because my last question was, uh, what what's it like to win it all? Ah, oh, it's a great feeling. Yeah, you guys. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys witnessed it. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's absolutely. awesome. You know, you're winning at the end of the night from, like, you know, you start a day, 6 o'clock in the morning, getting yeah. up, showering yeah. up, getting ready, hit to the track, wait two, three hours in line to park, <laughs> and then, you know, you get in and the atmosphere and you're getting into it, and it's only 1 o'clock. Yeah. And we just <laughs> yeah. started racing, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. And now, you know, 6 o'clock, and we're, like, four rounds in, and we're winning, and everybody's, like, Okay, getting the second the win, yeah. and then now it's like ten o'clock at night, yeah. eleven o'clock. I think the, maybe the one time that you guys were there, I think it was like maybe late. eleven o'clock. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it was yeah. late. Crazy, and we won. You know, yeah, it was, it was crazy. like, and just, just you know, watching him get out of the car, and he was all like, "We got it, pop." You know, I was like, "Yes, you did, kid. Yes, you did." And then you look around. You know, I got my sister-in-law there, Terry, my brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all you got is just. This is cr- why we do it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I, I couldn't imagine, dude. I know how we. I get so pumped up, and I'm going bananas in my own little head. I couldn't imagine like actual being the race car driver or the person who built the car. Like yeah. Yeah, you're in your own good. world. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's good bragging. You know, good bragging rights. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> it boils down to the smack talking. I love it. All right, so there you have it, folks. Um, we will wrap this up with a quote uh, by Jeff Gordon. I think fear is what keeps us from going over the edge. I mean, as a race car driver, I don't think what makes a good race car driver is a fearless person. I think it's somebody that's comfortable being behind the wheel of something that's somewhat out of control. Um, True. And the last one is by Artin Senna. When you are fitted in a racing car and you race to win, second or third place is not enough. Um, so there you have it, folks, the Fast Lane Part 2. In this episode, we had special guest and race car expert slash enthusiast David Cuevas, father of David Cuevas Jr., who we featured on episode 62. In this episode, we discussed the race car industry, sponsorship, major racing influences, the current state of race cars and racing, modifying cars, including Q building, street racing, and much more. We wrapped the episode up with quotes from Jeff Gordon and Artin Senna. All right, good stuff. Thanks again for joining us. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, jimmyleevelez.com. Follow the blog. If you have any inquiries or questions you would like for us to answer on a future episode, uh, just email us at info at jimmyleevelez.com. And on behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. And until next time, adios. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Thank you for the love and support. We truly do hope you enjoyed the views.